Tonight I interview my ex-wife. What? Yeah, stay tuned. It gets pretty good. Welcome to the Powell Perspective. This is your host, Chris Powell. Uh, I have a special guest in here with me tonight, um, a woman of many titles of hats, Rachel Newman. Say hey, Rachel. Hi. Rachel is, if you listened to my first podcast and you heard the story of uh, being married before and divorced and the husband-in-law thing and all that kind of stuff, well, this is the ex-wife, the wife of the husband-in-law. This is Rachel. She is a theologian, uh, Ivy Leaguer, <laughs> business uh, founder, owner, runner, mother, daughter, uh, sister, friend, all that stuff. So how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I am great. Um, like I said, I had talked on the first podcast about um, our whole little situation. And I bet a lot of people think that's pretty weird. Um, yeah, most people do. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's a unique situation, and I, I would say it's probably, well, no, it's most definitely a blessing how we've uh, came to where we're at now, Yeah. Um, as far as our friendship, how we get along, how we co-parent, whatnot. It don't hurt that we uh, we share a pretty awesome kid. Um, I had also mentioned it's more like sharing a, a kid with a best friend than yeah. anything. You yeah, know? for sure. Um, and I had mentioned living with you guys for a little while. I had mentioned um, our situation costed uh, a couple of potential female mates. <laughs> <laughs> Finally have one that's cool with everything. Not that she's the first one that's really been cool with it, but first one to get to this level. But anyhow, let's give you a second if you would like. Um, I'll ask you some questions, and if there's anything else you want to add, you can do that. Yeah. Um, I know people are wanting to know, was it weird when I lived with you? You know, not as weird as you might think. And, you know, and I, I even thought some days I'd wake up and think, man, there must be something wrong with me. Like this, this should be weirder. You know, is this even a thing? Um, you know, but it really just speaks. I'm sure you talked about this before, but it really just speaks to what all God had done in our lives, and, you know, in my life and, and in Justin, my husband now, his life and, um, you know, and it was just, it was family and you were family, regardless of what the relationship in the past looked like. And you were, you know, you were in need and it was just the best thing. It was the best thing for you and, and for our daughter. And it worked out. I mean, yeah, we certainly had a lot of funny moments and, you know, and all of that. You probably remember them better than I do, but, you know, it, it was what it was and it worked out, you know? Yeah. And I think one of the things that makes it so uh, unique is the process it took to get there. Like I had mentioned in the first episode, um, when you and Justin first got together, I didn't handle that too well. <laughs> like I was kind of reverting back to the violent side of things, like wanting to anyway. So the, the transformation coming out of that and looking to where we're at now, it, it was a process. Yeah, for sure. Um, it took a lot of forgiving and, uh, humbling on both sides and I made sure to point out it took a we'll have Justin on here at some point too it probably took more trust on his side more than anybody's yeah right so which speaks level to his character yeah he's just that kind of guy you know I mean it was his idea 
because he he came to me and and I you know I kind of he tells the story better, but I think it was one day after church or something when when you had shared you know what was going on and and some transition that you were needing to make and then he said to me when we got in the car he's like I think Chris is supposed to live with us I just kind of looked at him like what but it was one of those like he was saying God was telling him you know that that we needed to to help you out and and yeah I think had it not been just for the attitude change that I had to make toward everything because I was carrying just a lot of guilt and being angry at the way things had turned out, even though I was um, remarried at that time, you know, it was just learning how to handle all that before God that even allowed us to get to that place to be able to, to do that for you. And really too, I mean, it, it was like a really great lesson in what true friendship, like true godly friendship looks like that. And I don't think I could have learned that, you know, in a better, a better way just because of the circumstances, because nobody expects that, to happen, you know. Well, it really kind of helped everybody too. I mean, it, it allowed me to spend more time with Gianna. Uh, it also allowed me to help more with her to free y'all up more often. Um, so yeah, I will. I mean, for me, at the beginning, it was super weird. <laughs> I've said, sure, yeah. I've said. I mean, it was really weird. Um, but we got through it, and everything was good. So, well, uh, another question would be, how weird is it for you? when I bring other females around, like how do you, I say females, like there's been a bunch, there's been a bunch, <laughs> there's been a couple, and the one now is hopefully the last one, more likely the last one. There's been more than a couple. Well, this is the last <laughs> one, okay? Okay. Um, but how our co-parenting style is and everything, I've always been pretty open with you. I try to be. I think I've got more open every time about who I'm seeing and all that, especially if I plan on having them around Giada. Yeah. So coming from your side, how weird is that seeing our close relationship we all have when I bring in somebody new? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, early on, you know, years ago, I guess it's been been five years now that Justin and I have been married. You know, early on um, when you would start dating somebody, I would definitely get really just worried, honestly, because I, wasn't I hanging out with you Jesus, know, though. Right, right. Back then, you were not the person you are now, and so, and so I would just I would struggle with being worried as a mother. Of, you know, who was she around, and what kind of person was it, and you know, and all of that. And and I had to learn how to just pray about that and be bold enough to ask you questions when I wanted to, and and to let things go when they needed to be. You know, just let go and not cause unnecessary arguments. But um, you know, as you as we got closer and, and developed that friendship. You know, it was kind of like even if you didn't say something, I sort of knew because that's what happens with friends. Yeah. Regardless of the fact that we've been married, you just start to, start to know each other's habits and the way they talk and stuff. And so I would kind of know when you had started dating somebody and and wanting to learn how to, like, respect your privacy, you know, and, and have the good boundaries, but then also be a good parent and try to co-parent with you. It's like so many different lessons to learn, and which I know we should at some point just do a whole thing on that, like we've talked about before, because there's a lot of wisdom that we have to help people through some of this stuff. But, but anyway, you know, um, you, the, the women that, that I have met because they had been in a relationship with you, the few of them that I, that I did meet, you know, they were all really great women. Even one, you know, now to this day, I'm still, um, friends with, you know, at a, at a distance, but consider her a great friend and respect her. And I love Chris who you're, you're with now, you know? And so, 
there's always that that first meeting of like, oh my gosh, how are they like? Am I going to like them? Please let me like them. If I don't like them and he really does like them, then I have to learn how to like them because they're going to be around my daughter. Like yeah. all those different mental things that you go through, you know, so it's, it's just, you know, please don't let them have any really strange habits or don't, you know, all this kind of stuff. But it's like, you just, I think the older we get is part of it, especially as parents, you just learn to like cope with things and to laugh at things and to have fun with it. And knowing the Lord allows that to, to happen a lot more easily, of course, because we just can have peace about things. But um, yeah, I mean, again, it's another one of those situations of like maybe it should feel weirder than it does, but yeah. it just really doesn't. I'm always kind of wondering what the woman the you know, the other person <clears throat> is thinking like, does she think I'm weird? Does she think this whole thing is weird? Is she really just putting this on and saying she's okay with it, but she's really not like all those kind of things, you know, but so far it seems to be really awesome. And yeah, I mean, there's been a few yeah. that really thought it was weird. That's why they didn't stick around. But, yeah. Uh, they didn't need to. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Cause my question with, with stuff like that, you know, is, is, well, what would the, the alternative you'd be more comfortable with, a lot of chaos and a lot of arguing and a lot of, That's the same thing, I think, you know, that kind are. of thing. Yeah. A lot of drama. That's status uh, quo for the situation. Right. It's what we're and, used to. Yeah. You know, before we move on to the next topic, I said our situation started, it, it bloomed into something else, but it started with, I ain't going to say me, but my mindset that started, it was wanting to do, the best thing for Giada. And I was like, I had a step-parent growing up. Uh, well, my stepmother, I hated. My stepdad, I loved to death. But I didn't want Giada to hate her stepdad. I didn't want to cause any reason for her to be unhappy at home. So if I was going to give one piece of advice, it would be get along with your ex for the sake of the kids. If you were going to give one piece of advice to people to help them co-parent, what would it be? I would say get along with your ex for your own sake. Yeah. Because when you're choosing to live in, and let's just call it what it is, it's unforgiveness. Because yeah. I was there, you know, for a short amount of time, but still had to walk through that process. Um, if you choose to stay in that at whatever level, even if it's been years, you know, you may be happily married to somebody else or moved on single or whatever for years. But if you still have some unforgiveness there and it's still, you know, makes you feel some type of way to even talk about or think about, then there's some stuff that has to be dealt with because you can't be a good parent if you're not a healthy person, you know, in your soul and in your mind and your heart. And when we hold on to things like that, it can really, it affects us on lots of different levels. And we live with it for so long, sometimes we won't even realize how it's affecting us. And so I would say make that choice. And now, now granted, because this has been thrown at me before too, when talking about this kind of stuff, you know, some people are in situations where, yeah, they don't really need to be friends with their ex. Some people come out of, yeah. you know, violent situations or people are in, in you know, unhealthy relationships of, of whatever characteristics. But the point is, you can be at peace with yourself and not holding on to any kind of grudge or any kind of pain or hurt or whatever to let that go. And then that allows you that if and when that other person is actually in a good place, and ready to co-parent, then then you're already way ahead of the game because you've dealt with your own crap and you can move forward and, and your child is the one, you know, benefiting through all that. I agree. I agree completely. And that's kind of that's what my buddy Danny said because we talked about it for a short moment because I was all like, you need to not badmouth your ex, you know, for the sake of 
That's just not your job. And Danny's point was, you do the best you can for your kids. And eventually, if the other partner, the ex or whatever, is a scumbag, they'll grow up and learn that on their own. They don't need to hear it from you. you know? Right. They're too young to have that worry yeah. about their other parent being not such a good person. So I agree with you 100%. Yeah, and I think you can still, as a parent, you can still stand up for the truth and teach your children you know, right from wrong and do it in a way that is not demeaning or disrespectful to the parent that might be making bad choices at this point in time in their life, you know, or, or te- trying to teach the kids things that may not, may not fit with what you believe is the truth. And so I think it's just all about, you know, how much of a grown up do you want to be? You know, yeah. do you want to still act immature and, and live in all that? But we can make those choices to, to be mature, to be, you know, godly people that can handle things and, and learn how to, to parent our kids well in the midst of circumstances that aren't as ideal as we have now. Yeah, yeah I agree completely. And I'm going to have you on more than just this one time, too. So this is where I'll just throw in before we move on to the next subject. If you have any other questions that you would like to ask the, uh, the most awesome co-parenting people ever, then write in, or I think you can do voice messages on Anchor. Whatever, ask your questions. Um, and we'll, we'll try our best to answer them as well as possible. The next thing we need to talk about is Lazarus Tribe Media. This is a company that you founded, started, CEO, COO, whatever. <laughs> you are the sole proprietor of yeah. Lazarus Tribe Media. I am. Tell us uh, what led up to starting that and what is it? Sure. All right. Well, Lazarus Tribe Media is a creative company, and right now that means a lot of things, but primarily I love to help people be creative and tell their stories, whatever that looks like. Um, I believe that our stories, our testimonies create hope for others and that we all have an eternally original purpose for which we were created. And so I I really enjoy teaching about that and, and consulting with people, coaching people through telling their stories and, and just what that looks like in, in many different forms. Um, so, you know, Lazarus Tribe started, it's been, I guess, two and a half years ago now. Yeah, because I was pregnant with my son and um, I was I had written a book and was teaching on that at a, at a local church in a small group. And I was kind of in this place where I had left my you know, career that I had all this education in because the Lord told me to, but I had no idea what I was going to do next. So I was Where's just, your education come from? Um, this little fancy pants place called Yale right. up in New Haven. Okay. I got my undergrad there in psychology, and then I have a master's degree in counseling from Liberty University. So I was working as a mental health therapist and an assessor for a couple years. And, and the Lord told me when I graduated from that, he's like, Hey, uh, good job. I'm glad you did this and, and you obeyed me, but you're not going to have the traditional route and I want you to quit counseling. And, you know, I did what we all do at times. I had delayed obedience, <clears throat> which also starts with a D. So I was kind of disobedient <laughs> for a couple years and cause I didn't know what else I was going to do. And I was afraid to turn, you know, run from from all the education, because that was all I had known. I'd based my entire life around being a good student and and achieving that way. And so I was just sort of, you know, working at at this job that was kind of related to that, but wasn't at all, you know, what I was qualified for. And just waiting on the Lord, sometimes very painstakingly doing that. But 
Um, and so I was on my way. I was like way too pregnant to be standing in front of people teaching, but on my way in my car and just got this massive download from the Holy Spirit about starting a company to help other people write books and tell their stories. And because I'd had people ask me, well, how'd you write a book? How'd you get this done? You know, and I thought, man, I really love talking about that. And I really love helping other people just see what they're capable of and see their own story when they don't even know sometimes. And so that's kind of how it started. And he, he gave me the name in scripture. He pointed out to me the story of Lazarus and, and in John 11 and 12 and gave me just this whole blueprint for starting the company. And I did that. And a year later, I went public with it and actually shared it with a few friends. And, and at this point to date, we've published um, 13 books and we'll have a couple more by year's end. And I've got some online courses on creativity. And then, you know, every week I'm, I'm doing one-on-one -on -one coaching and consulting with people all over the world that want to just, you know, have a project in mind, or they just want to know more about how to how to do what it is they're most passionate about and how to really you know release their creative energy their creative nature that is in them because of who God made them so so if somebody is into well probably primarily writing you obviously got that down you know how to help with that um, are you gonna get involved in music painting all the all the different stuff like what's your Heart. Yeah, yeah. I've had uh, several different types of, of artists, you know, be a part of some of my courses. I've got a, a there was a muralist, a jewelry maker. I've had all different types. People that are doing podcasts, like what you're doing, or YouTube channels. It's it's really the the medium by which you're releasing your art and your story, your creativity. Doesn't matter so much as really developing that story and that creativity with inside of you. That's what I'm passionate about. So, yeah. and I want to see that be released in all types of forms in every way possible, because that's what I believe it really means to be created in the image of God. If we look at nature and creation that we can see with our eyes, there's so much diversity, so many amazing things out there. And so, you know, we're, we're way far above all of that in the way that he sees us, you know? And so, um, but people have to be awakened to that. You know, there's just so much hurt and, and pain and trauma that happens in the world. People are without hope a lot of times, but but we're carriers of that. So we just have to learn how to how to find that within ourselves. And, and it takes somebody else pointing that out a lot of times. I think we all go through that. I needed that to have somebody else point that out in me to be able to, to get on that creative journey. I think the this might seem a little hippie, but I think. I truly believe everybody has some kind of creative spark in them. If oh, it's cooking, writing, yeah. drawing, you know, I mean, do you believe that too? Oh, absolutely. We, because the, the word says that we were created in Christ Jesus. We were created in him, that we are the workmanship of God. So that's where, that's how we started. That's how we came about who we truly are take sin and all of that stuff and sit that has to be dealt with and set that to the side for just a second and realize that how you originally started was part of God, part of the creator of the universe. And so that's what he desires. And that's why he sent Jesus. That's why the cross happened. And all of that was to bring us back to who we truly are in him. And so I believe that we can fully come to that. I believe that we can fully 
release our purpose that he created us for while we're on the earth and, and doing that through him, through relationship with him. And I think that applies to everybody. Some people just haven't known the Jesus in them yet. They haven't come to that knowledge. And I think part of the reason is because there's not enough people creating from that place. You know? I agree. I agree completely. I mean, to me, I think that's part of being uh, made in his image. He's a, he's the creator. I yeah. believe we're born, we might not always be aware of it, but I believe we're born with a certain set of attributes. And some people, it just takes a little longer to dig it out. I think we're born to love, yeah. we're, we're born to care, we're born to be loved, and we're born to be creative somehow. Yeah. And I just think a lot of people, a lot of people will tell you, well, I can't sing a note, I can't draw anything, blah, blah, blah. I bet if you follow them around for a week and saw what they did when nobody was watching, you would find that creative spark in them. And they're just yeah. so scared of being told that it ain't good that right. they're not willing to say they like doing it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and people confuse being creative with being artistic. They're, they're a little two different things, at least when you look at it from, from a spiritual standpoint. You know, yeah, you may not think you're artistic. You can't draw. You can't sing. You can't act. You can't cook, you know, whatever. But you're still, you still have a creative nature. And that means when you walk into a room, the atmosphere changes. And maybe that's positive or negative, depending on what kind of person you are. But everybody's creative. So it's just learning about who, how God made you to be creative. What was the intent of his heart in creating you? And then that's what you're able to create around you. And sometimes that looks like an artistic thing. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's in your relationships with people or just the way that, you know, that you display who you are or, or whatever. But yeah, it's definitely for everybody, for sure. How are you creative? <clears throat> How am I creative? Well, I the Lord told me that that I am a violent releaser of mercy and hope. And that when when I'm with people, what I create in them or create in the atmosphere around them is just is mercy and hope. And so because what I found is that there'll be people that just feel like they're so have no, you know, talent, have no value. They, but yet they'll have these incredible stories of, of things they've overcome in their life. And they're not even able to see past their own mistakes and flaws. And so I get to talk with them and it's like the Lord is extending mercy to them and, and, and just planting hope in who they are, you know? And so that's, that's what I get to do relationally with people. And in other senses, I do write, I love writing. I write poetry I have a book of poetry. I, I like to sing. I play the piano. So I do some artistic stuff as well, you know, but that that's all rooted in that place of a creative nature in me. That's just fostered by, by the spirit of God. Word. Word. Yeah. So what would you say like big picture? What, what is, where do you see this thing going? Like, where would you like to see it go? You know, I know you have a heart locally to help people around you, close to you, share their stories and all this kind of stuff. Do you see it getting bigger and outside of our local area here? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I mean, right now, just because of good old Facebook and the Internet, I, I have authors and, and work with people consulting and things um, all over the country, really. And I even have a couple of guys right now in Nigeria, actually. So. And, and one hopefully in the UK pretty soon. But um, yeah, I mean, my my desire is for Lazarus Tribe to become a collective of, of creative people that are 
kingdom of God creative people and that are interested in really making a mark on culture through arts and entertainment, through family, you know, to, to really just give a new perspective, one that's based in love and in hope and, and faith and mercy and those things that we know so well in Jesus and we've experienced personally, but to, to truly be able to share those with the world in so many different ways to where we're actually giving people a, a new perspective on who Jesus really is and what it really means to be a Christian and, and to kind of change some of those just just really awful things that the church has has done and just the the polar um, polarization that's been created, you know, with with Hollywood and with the church or with main mainstream music or whatever you want to call it. There's just this just this real disconnect, you know, that I don't think is is the heart of God for it to be there. So that's what I'm hoping Lazarus Tribe can do, you know, before, you know, maybe I'll get to see it in my lifetime or maybe not. But but that's my hope and in whatever way that comes about. Yeah, I think that's something we uh, we share like as far as mindset goes, because traditionally, especially the kind of churches we grew up in, they're, they're really quick to just write Hollywood off and the music industry off is, you know, like it's just the devil. Leave it alone. Don't have nothing to do with it. Where I feel like your heart and I want to make an impact on it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I want to. Any, I think God can redeem stuff to him. You yeah. Know? And I'm not saying in our lifetime that all of Hollywood is going to turn into a big church and it's just going to be that. But if we can make some kind of impact mm-hmm. and, you know, and more or less, if we could, if you could get a couple of these mainstream people saved, like I ain't saying that has to be the heart every time, but just imagine like how cool would it be if you got, a Marshall Mathers saved. Yeah. How many yeah. people would follow suit just because of who he is? Right. You know, and I know that's not your main perspective, you know, your, your main goal or whatever, but I think that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I think absolutely. I mean, of course that the end goal is for everybody to know Jesus. I mean, that's, that's his desire. That's, that's yeah. the father's heart, of course, for everybody to know him and to know him through Jesus. But I think what, what the typical perspective of the church has been. It's like, oh, let's get, you know, this famous person, this celebrity, this guy, they just need to get saved. And then they see it as, well, they're going to stop doing everything that they're doing. They're going to stop doing everything that they're good at. You know, and I think that's crazy. I think to rob the world of a talent like Marshall Mathers would be crazy, you know? And so, but what we have to be open to is just like all of us have gone through our own process in the Lord, that then if he were to come to know Jesus, then he's going to go through his own process in the Lord. And we have to be willing to honor and respect his art and who he is and the things that that are so meaningful to him at the same time as, as trusting God, you know, and working out that process in him. And I think what's happened is it's like people are so close to that because they just can't see the value, the, the inherent creative nature, you know, of value in people. And, and so then we make it all about the sin. We make it all about the awful things that that they're doing and how their lifestyle looks so different from ours. And I'm just like, my gosh, if we could get over that and realize that God is going to take care of all that stuff, like because it's impossible to have a relationship with him and not 
repent from your ways, not turn away from fleshly desires. Like, like that will happen naturally. But if they never have somebody that's willing to just appreciate them for who they are and to, to point out what God has put in them, you know, regardless of the way that it's manifesting itself where, where they are right now, you know, if they never have that, then then I don't see them coming to know Christ in the way that we've traditionally yeah. seen evangelism taking place. I think that's just it's just kind of lazy, in my opinion, yeah, yeah. you know, and and I don't want lazy, you know, lazy evangelism never really changed anybody's life. Yeah, I'm thinking of two things right now. One, I'm thinking the church pushes saved attributes on unsaved people and that keeps them from getting saved. You know, yeah. I, I think that sometimes I'm like, we're expecting an unholy world to be holy before they they meet the author of holy. You right, know? right. So it's not really fair to them. And if anything, it pushes them away. Yeah. And don't, they don't want to have nothing to do with us. Second, I'm thinking about Brian Head Welch. Yeah. He got saved. He distanced himself. He got strong in his faith. And then right. he went back. Yeah. And a lot of people didn't like that. Yeah. But the way I'm from where I'm sitting, I'm like, how many people has he prayed for before or after a concert that never would right. go talk to whoever? Yeah. Insert popular Christian person there. Yeah. That absolutely. they would never go talk to them. But since he's who he is. Right. And he has the faith he has. He's been able to reach people that we other Christians wouldn't be able to reach. Yeah. And at the end of the day, we all only answer one person. Right. You know, and you got to do what what is in your heart to do that God has put there. Um, but I think, you know, most of the time we don't think of it that way. We're just looking at, at Christian duty and and see our passions and our our what we're good at, what we get fired up about as, as separate from that, you know, or some kind of worldly thing. And I just don't find that to be true. And, you know, and I'm I'm only an expert in my own story. But, you know, that's I've found that I get closest. I, I feel I've grown the most in my relationship with the Lord when I have been doing the things that I love and not, not sinful things. That's not even an issue. The stuff that we're supposed to, to not do and flee from. Yeah, of course, you know, that's not on the table, but just the things that we just have fun doing that we just enjoy, you know, and, and that's the thing that, that arts and entertainment, it's all about enjoyment and we're supposed to find our enjoyment in the Lord, but why can't the two become one? Why can't we join those and have a good example for the world of how these things are originated with God, how everything good came from him. It all belongs to him. And, and to begin pulling out, you know, the holy counterparts in people to, to be able to point out to them, be like, man, you're really, really good at that. Let me tell you, like God put that in you and he loves that about you. And, And it makes him happy to see you doing the things that you're good at and to, to give them that perspective. And maybe they can meet God that way. Instead of just always having this Christian telling them like, hey, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. You know, it just doesn't make sense to me. And, you know, I'm sure there'll be plenty of people to disagree. But, you know, you said something about, um, I don't know what you said just a second ago, but it made me think of this article I very recently read on a a popular Christian blog that I I love a lot of the stuff they post. But but this one article was about the Joker movie. Yeah. And it was basically, you know, being really negative about the Joker movie and just how, you know, Christians, if we smile at evil, you know, something like that, it all starts with, with smiling and kind of, it was just about being um, sympathetic toward the Joker character because of all that he had been through and basically excusing his evil. And, and so, but in the process, it was kind of creating this 
casting this negative light on the movie, obviously. And I haven't seen it. I don't know if I'll see it or not. You know, I'm not really into real violent things. And I've heard it's pretty violent. But um, but my thought when I was reading that was like, okay, you're just talking about a movie for the purpose of the point you're trying to make in this article. But that movie probably employed over a thousand people, you know, to make it. And those are a thousand plus human souls that are just doing what, what they're called to do creatively, but they need to know Jesus. And so instead of trying to just talk negatively about a movie to make a point, what if we actually started interceding for artists in that way and started thinking about, okay, what was in the mind of the director when this happened? And maybe that speaks to a place in him that the Holy Spirit wants to touch, you know, but we don't think that way. We just want to take the, the our, our neat little box of what we see and what we're supposed to say yes and no to as a Christian. And we just put blinders on everything else and kind of over it. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I understand. <laughs> I'm going to start preaching in a no, second, and I don't want to. But, no, I understand you know. completely. I mean, I think if nothing else, I mean, I don't know this, but there, there may be a possibility there that a movie like that could awaken somebody to uh, to be more aware of mental illness. Because mm. I'm pretty sure that's what the movie's all about. This dude has a lot of mental illness, and he doesn't cope with it that well. You know, yeah. and I know it's just a movie. It's a fictional character. It's a made-up story, but he works all things to his good. Yeah, allowed. You know what I yeah. mean? And I'm not saying God directed the movie, but I don't know. I'm just one of the weird people that can find uh, prophetic things and a lot of unprophetic stuff. Oh, I agree. It's it's you know, it's the movie exists anyway. You know, it happened, it's made, it's out there. So what is a kingdom person's responsibility now, you know, with that? Is it just to criticize it and to call it out and to to say all these things about it and, and try to deter other Christians from watching it? Like, is that the ultimate goal? And is that a noble thing to do? Maybe for some, you know, once again, we all only answer to one person. But to me, I just think there's a better way to look at it that has a greater impact. You know, yeah, now keep in mind, people, we are not saying go watch the Joker movie. No, we're not, of course not. We're not saying you need to go watch all these violent movies. We're just trying to give you a different perspective on how you might be able to think about stuff. And what I was thinking when you were saying that, we live in a little town called Rome, Georgia. And this has been a long, long time ago. But there was a bar downtown, and the Girls Gone Wild came. And a bunch mm-hmm. of local churches went and picketed about how you're going to go to hell and yeah, God hates yeah. you and blah, blah, blah. What if instead of that happening, just what if this didn't happen, but what if this did happen? What if instead of that, the Christian people went and just hung out? Yeah. Like, you don't have to go over there and drink with them. You don't have to do all this. But when you see a drunk person staggering out of a bar, you pay for an Uber. Yeah. You just get them home safe. Right. You don't have to be out there telling them how they're going to go to hell. Because yeah, yeah. the, the, the people need to know God's love before they'll ever receive his correction. Right. So what if you just started buying people cab rides on and then they were like, hey, why'd you do that? You go, well, it's because I have a love for you that comes from yeah. Jesus. Right. You know, and I, that's all I'm saying is there, there's a different way to look at stuff. We know what's good and bad. We're Christians. We know what we should and what we shouldn't do. We know yeah. what the world should or shouldn't be doing. But did Jesus run around going, hey, you, you shouldn't be doing that. The only time I can think of doing that is when they were doing the, the shady stuff in the temple. Yeah. You know, other than that, he let people come to him and then he corrected them as they right, came to him. Right. And that's what we're trying to do is get people to him. Yeah. Yeah. And and it 
to me, it's, it's, if nothing else, this is a challenge to everybody to at least ask the question, like ask the Lord, okay, what should I be doing in response to whatever the thing is that, that is on your mind or that this brings up or the next thing that, you know, your church says you're supposed to be against or whatever it is. And, you know, it's not that every single Christian, we say the church that we're talking about every single church out there. It's not that this is just generally speaking where we're at in, you know, in our time with what it seems like the majority of Christian culture is doing. And there's enough that, that, you know, Christians disagree with and all that kind of stuff for sure. But, you know, I think it's a responsible thing to just ask, you know, what, what could I do? How could I think differently about a particular situation and see what he tells you to do and don't devalue the impact that you can have on somebody else by just being obedient to the Holy spirit. And, and maybe, you know, it takes you outside of your comfort zone for a little bit. Um, but that's extremely powerful. And, and that's, that's how it's done. You know, I, uh, and, and it's been quoted so many times, but I love it. St. Francis of Assisi said, preach the gospel to all the world. And if necessary, use words. Right. Uh, and it's like Word. buy an Uber for somebody. You don't even have to say anything to him about Jesus. It's the fact that your heart, this is creative nature stuff. People, it's like, it's your heart was filled with compassion that did something. And that is what changes the spiritual atmosphere around you. That is what impacts somebody without you even ever having to say a word to them. It softens their heart to then the person that can come along and tell them about Jesus and then be more open to it. All because you express compassion of the father by buying him an Uber. So that's a great example. Yes. Ah, that's good, good, great stuff. I tell you, there's probably a, a few more questions people may have for someone such as Rachel Newman. Um, number one would be, where can they find Lazarus Tribe Media? How do they contact you? If there's somebody out there right now going, man, I tell you, I lived through some pretty crappy stuff. Or maybe it ended, well, I think one thing we need to point out, even if you're, your story is not that dramatic. It still can have impact. It doesn't mean you had to survive a, a llama attack, you know, to to, <laughs> to, to have a, a impactful story. But if somebody's sitting out there and they're like, you know what, I would like a little bit of coaching. I'm into poetry or I'm really into this sharing my story. However, maybe I need somebody to coach me on how to share my story. How do they get in contact with you? Yeah, well, LazarusTribe.media is my new website. I just transitioned everything. There's some good stuff on there. You can see some of my authors and the books on there and hopefully some more fun stuff pretty soon. But there's a way to contact me on there, LazarusTribe.media, or just look me up on Facebook, Lazarus Tribe Media. On Facebook, you can message me. Rachel Newman, you can message me. It's just a you know personal page. But um, yeah, I'd love to talk to anybody. On, on my website, there's a way to schedule a... Um, just a free, like a free call, like schedule a call with me. And we talk for 30, 45 minutes through all the, all the things, whatever you want to talk about. And I'll point you in the right direction if it's, you know, working with me or not, but that's free. Uh, yeah, that's, that's free. And I, I've got a couple of, you know, uh, online courses that are really fun to take. You can take at your own pace. Uh, the season of creative discovery just kind of takes you through, you know, getting to know yourself a little bit better as a creative person and I have the creator's confidence sessions. I just finished those up. And those were for people who just really are struggling with having any confidence to begin thinking about their story, telling their story. And we talked a lot about that. It was really, really a lot of fun. So, you know, those are super affordable and and just some videos that you can watch. So those are also available on my website, I believe. If 
It's and not people don't have to live locally to work with you. They don't even have to live no, in this country. No, I got, I mean, today I was talking to somebody in California. I've got a couple of people in Florida, in um, you know Texas. over the pond, too, don't you? you got people over in like Europe or something or Russia or... Yeah, yeah. I've got two uh, in Nigeria okay. right now. and not then. Russia, but- no, and then South Africa, there's a friend in South Africa and, and a couple other places. You know, in today's world, it's like everybody finds stuff on Facebook and, and we're all in different time zones and it gets a little nuts. But That's why I keep getting told about this whole podcast thing. My buddy Danny says he has people that listen to him all over the world yeah, and uh, more all over the world than locally, which is kind of sad because I know more of you guys over here. Y'all should all be listening to this. <laughs> but... <laughs> Um, it's okay yeah Yeah. I mean it's the same I've noticed for me too I don't have as many people I work with locally as I do other places but it's all right you know it's it's, God connects people everybody I work with is just a complete divine connection it's been super awesome and uh, I'm sure the same thing will happen here with with the podcast it'll keep growing with the right kind of people so this has been a lot of fun I know we could talk all night about this kind of stuff so anytime well we'll definitely have you back on um you got any uh Closing encouragement, encouraging words for the world. Wow. Encouraging words for the world. Yeah. It would just be that you are super loved. You're super amazing. Created by the creator of the universe. He put you here for a reason. So if your life sucks, let's figure out why you're here and make it better. And he'll love you all all the way through it, no matter who you are or what you've done. I couldn't think of a better way uh, to close one out. Um, so that was pretty awesome. If uh, you're trying to get in contact with me, you can reach me at Chris Powell on Facebook. That's K-R-S-P-Y-L-E on Instagram. Same name, add an eight zero at the end, and that'll be on Instagram. Um, I'm always looking for feedback. I hope you guys have a great evening. Um, I got two more episodes after this one. We're dropping all five at the same time. This is number three. Um, thanks for coming and chatting it up with me tonight, uh, Miss Rachel Newman. Yeah. Anytime. A lot of fun. Good night.